Hello there and welcome to the latest episode of the Sith Taker Snapshots podcast. Uh, I'm your host Rich Polly and joining me today is uh, Ben Hibbert. Hello there. And uh, younger than his teeth but older than his hair or whatever way around it is Liam Baker. Mr. Teethy Teeth. Oh, that was that was Tim a couple of weeks ago. I'm the what? biggest toothiest bestest boy. <laughs> biggest toothiest bestest boy. <laughs> nice. Okay, and uh, Tim is also with us. He might be joining us, but like pretty much everybody apart from me, he's ill at the minute, yeah. COVID positive. Um, so he might chip in 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 a, in a bit in conversation as we're talking about what we what we're going to talk about today. Um, so um, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been on, and it's been a bit bit of time since I've I've chatted to to you. Obviously, apart from Ben, who I see every Tuesday while we're in the club. Um, <laughs> how's it been going? Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> you have to get out of the house sometimes. If you give out a break, <laughs> how's how's it been going? Sleep in the garden. So we've we've all been playing in a bunch of online tournaments that are like the the end of um that were like the end of version two. Um, so we've all been we were all playing in a something called a trilogy tournament, which Nobby um one of the uh, the Gundarks from Australia um was running so there was a it was a three-way team tournament um we did we all did all right but not spectacularly but um the final is currently being prepared for play and it's um friends of the podcast Ollie Pocknell Connor Holmes and Don Flanagan as the one it sixth ton cast combination super team whatever um versus uh one of the Australian teams whose name I can't remember um but yeah so isn't isn't nobby in the final uh i think nobby got put out didn't he i can't remember lost to ollie's team yeah nobby lost to ollie's team in the semis yeah so um so i'm not gonna lie once i got knocked out i stopped paying full attention to it yeah me too i'm just uh I'm, i'm keeping an eye on it because you know people that we we know reasonably well are still involved so um they're talking about it, so I can't avoid it. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, yeah. Anyway. I made it two rounds deep into the cut and never played a game. I know. That was brilliant. <laughs> um, so, so, we lost in top 16, top eight, top 16. Top 16. Yeah, top 16, we went out. Liam, your team stayed in until top eight, and then you lost to Ollie's team as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I think so. No, no, I just turned up and played games. No, we, we, we all got knocked out at the same stage. Oh, did we? Sad. Liam's pirate captain team. Oh, that's right. Because if we'd beat the people who beat us, we would have ended up playing against Ollie's team. Because Ollie's team put Liam out at the same stage as we went out. That's right. Um, So, anyway, um, we've been doing that. And then we've all been playing in Pokemon as well, which, well, Ben hasn't because he doesn't really play TTS really. But I do. um, So, Team Jawa Jawa are um, a bunch of guys, I'm going to say, from kind of the East. Perth, aren't they? No, they're the east coast of America. Um, at it. least one of them's in Florida. Um, I'm not sure where the rest of them are, but they're yeah, they're east coast of America. Um, they run and have run over the course of lockdown a whole heap of alternate format um, tournaments. So they've run Jawa's Junkyard Jamboree and a Lego tournament <laughs> and a um, one that was based on Mad Max and base and the Women of Star Wars event, which was towards the start of lockdown um, and. Yeah, they've they've run all of these things over the last couple of years. The most recent one has just exploded. They had ninety six people playing in the 
the Pokemon tournament, which was, we've talked about it before, um, list restrictions where you have a trainer and um, eventually four Pokemon, but you start off with two. Um, and there's a whole bunch of really cool bounties to chase where you play suboptimally in order to win bounty cards um, or you play optimally and win bounty cards and it's fine. Um, so uh, I, I'd like to say that I did well, but I have ended up bottom of, I've ended up in 96th place out of 96 players, oh, 0 5 with the worst, <laughs> worst MOV in the tournament. I'm not entirely sure what happened, but I do know that for the last two rounds, I was just trying to get bounties. So I was deliberately flying under rocks and getting myself stressed and doing stress moves and flying off the board. And um, I've not seen you do that bad for a very long time. No, I've never, ever, ever gone um, Owen oh, no. an event ever in my entire life. Um, so even even my very first one, I didn't even didn't go Owen Owen three in. So um, so yeah, it was um, it was a, it was a lot of fun, um, and it was a hugely fun tournament. I I made some bad list choices um, early on. I think I just chased the wrong dragon. Basically, I had Hera in a B wing as my trainer, um, and in a meta where there's an awful lot of low initiative. Um, three agility, um, either two or three red dice. Um, Hera just gets caught too easily um, and can melt to um, sustain fire, which is basically how I lost every game. Was I lost Hera with a couple of turns to go. Um, and then Arvel, MVP in every single game for me, couldn't pull it back. If I'd built the rest of my list like I'd built Arvel, then it would have been fine. So proper intimidation Arvel fitted in. And uh, he's now in basically everybody's list because he's spread around the entire tournament <laughs> once people started catching him. So, um, yeah. Uh, but Liam, Liam was the reverse of me. Liam went, you went 5-0, and oh, didn't you, mate? I did. Uh, basically, I took the one ship I know how to fly in the format in Grievous. Yeah. And just went from there. I was like, let's get as many initiative threes as possible. And that was just my entire thought process. Cool. Well done. So, cut. They've done a weird thing with cut as well. So, you're guaranteed cut, but they've done a weird thing with cut, which is that the top two finishing players from each faction will make the top 16, plus the two highest finishing players outside of that. So, basically, um, like if you come, if rebels comes one, two, three, four, then those four rebels will make cut, and then two from each other faction, the top two from each other faction. Um, but yeah, so um, just well done to um, Team Jawa, uh, particularly to uh, Coffee, Coffmeister, um, Professor Coffee, whatever his name is, I don't know. Um, uh, he's on the internet and he has Coffee in his nicknames, and uh, he's basically been running the tournament along with a bunch of other ones and like administering it and keeping track of all the bounties and everything like that. So. Uh, well done to them for running a, another successful and well-received event. And good luck to everybody who makes the um, the cut. Um, no, and, no. Good luck to me. And, and to Liam, because if Liam wins the Pokemon dial covers and the Pokemon shit markers and all of that kind of stuff, I'll just deploy my children at him until he gives them them so that they'll go away. I'll just... uh, I will kick a child. <laughs> <laughs> You just they're they're really cool prizes. They're like little great balls and ultra balls um, for dial covers and um, like target lock tokens and shit. Great balls and, and ultra balls. Title of your sex type. Hey. Oh. So yeah. Anyway, that's a Pokemon tournament um, and the trilogy tournament. Um, other than that, the um, the internet has been fairly 
dry of online events. Um, so we've obviously got Hexiled Gaming that are um, continuing to run streams, um, and everybody in Hexiled is playing standard scenarios. So the uh, the new 2.5 rules with the limited lists of what ships you can use. So basically, what what became known as the black box format is now called standard. Um, we are currently waiting, um, Ben. We're waiting for to find out what's happening with scoring and an OP before we relaunch the Sith Taker League. Um, so yeah. for anybody who, who doesn't follow on the Discord and is wondering what's going on, um, we've reset the Sith Taker League and we're going to run a Swiss-style event and then use that to seed a new bunch of leagues in 2.5. Um, so, yeah, we don't know how we're going to do that yet. So we're waiting, basically, we're waiting for Adepticon to happen so that we get a view of the AMG um, OP rules document. Um, hopefully, um, so that we can figure out how they're going to do scoring and how they're going to do seeding and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because um, um, Tabletop Tio hasn't got a 2.5 sort of selection yet. Yeah. I know I've heard they're working on it, but yeah, just not quite ready yet. Yeah, there's there's ways around it. If it takes too long, we might. But oh, It's funny you say that. I'm literally just trying to mess with it now to see if I can get it to work. I mean, you can just tell people to score up to, you know. Yeah, it doesn't work, though, because it, it sorts by, um, still sorts by MOV. Oh, it does it? Okay. Yeah. They're saying they're going to sort of do strength of schedule instead of MOV anyway now, aren't they? Um, yeah. MOV is not a real thing, but it's complicated. I mean, we have had some um, peaks into the, um, the OP, so... Um, a few things that have come out. Um, everybody thought that we we're going to be worried about draws at Adepticon. Um, if you, uh, they've recently announced that I think you need to get four wins to make day two, which probably means that it's going to be five rounds of Swiss. Um, I've not seen officially that they've said that there's not going to be any draws, but um, what, what we I thought previously was that if you drew, you got one point, but you needed to get, and if you won, you got three points, and you needed to get you know, basically four wins, four, four wins to get enough points and you couldn't get enough points if you took a draw. Um, so but essentially what they've said is if you draw, that counts as a loss. Um, so immediately everybody said, well, if we're drawing and time gets cold, we'll just toss a coin so that both <laughs> of us don't lose um, because it's stupid for both of us to take a loss. Um, unless you really hate the person that's over the, the table from you, in which case you're like, yeah, if I'm going down, you're coming with me. I'm not, I'm not risking giving you the, the through. Um, but uh, we've heard about that. We've also heard that time timers are going to be random between 72 and like 78 minutes or 76 minutes or something. Um, I'm not sure of why this is happening. That makes um, zero sense to me. Yeah, so um, apparently what they do is they set a timer for 72 minutes and then they roll like a D6 and then they add that number of minutes onto the timer. But there's no visibly displayed timer. So basically you'll know that your game is going to last at least 72 minutes and maybe as many as 78 minutes. And I believe that the logic is something to do with stopping people from running to time um, because they won't know when time is going to happen so, or from delaying the end of a phase or something. Because but they'll also know when... Time. End of rounds are coming. Yeah, can I yeah. just yeah uh, just jump in two secs there? So um, the mechanic is uh, identical to what they um, uh, I say they so Privateer Press their organised play kit was called Steamroller, and um, they would have a um, they they play with chess clocks, but you'd also have a round timer, and there would be a random 
uh, amount of time on the round timer so that people can't know when the game is exactly going to finish. Because um, me and Ben, when we, we were playing, for example, we had a term where uh, you knew that you didn't have to shoot to win the game. But if, yeah. you, but if you didn't know if there'd be another turn or not, um, you know, you know, would, what what decisions would you make? Would you play faster, slower? Um, so I think it's designed to stop people knowing exactly when the time is going to finish. But I think I, re- I replied to someone's Facebook post about it. Like the TOs could literally put up a 60 or 70 minute timer and just say, you know, the round finishes anywhere between two and eight minutes past this time or something like that. So, um, And six minutes isn't an awful lot, lot of time to... If you want, if you want to be slow, you can be slow for six minutes. And it's also one turn in the current. Um, it's it's one turn in the current game state. Like with the number of ships that people are using, it's six minutes to set dials, move ships. It's it's yeah, It's because they've basically introduced a mechanic to, for you to like essentially like just passively score points without engaging. If you if if that's what you want to do, so they obviously have to now have a mechanic where you can't. Quite. If you look at the timer, there's a minute left. You you know exactly what you need to do. But if it was anywhere between a minute and you know, I don't know seven or eight minutes, then you don't know if there might be two turns if if you don't make certain decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I kind of the logic is there, but it still like I understand the logic train that they've used to get where they've got, but I it doesn't make like I. I I, it just seems like a completely pointless change that's just going to make life weirder and, this, and this more is it. complicated. You know, this is a world where we've all got wristwatches or we've all got mobile phones. So, you know, we we all know that the timer will finish now or within, you know, six minutes. So it's, yeah. it's not really going to make a massive amount of difference if someone wants to slow play the game. Yeah, and we've also all got access to, to Twitch. So, you know, you can have Dion in your ear if you're at an Adepticon event, because he won't be able to stop himself from saying how long the round is going to be as it comes <laughs> to an end. He'll be like, now remember, guys, this is a 72-minute game, so it's going to finish really soon. Um, you know, because obviously nobody would stream Stipe a game that they're not playing in, um, just to try and get that information. I don't think they would, but, you know, it's like it's also possible, you know, to, for somebody to just walk around behind... Um, his thing and see the timer that he's got running on his screen or one of his screens. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's oh, it's just so dumb. It just makes no sense. I I I, I don't get it. Like, oh, I mean, I, I logically follow the 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 logic that they've created for themselves, but it, it, I, I get I well, you know a lot of these mechanics that we're seeing creep in. You know that you know is either borrowing stuff from existing games or borrowing stuff from you know existing organized play kits from you know other companies or. I believe you know some of AMG are ex privateer press anyway, so it's obviously yeah. a mechanic that they've used before. Um, and you know, you know, Hordes of War Machine was successful. Um, you know, five, ten years ago. But... Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of my. I, I don't have actually many gripes about two point five. I'm overall, I'm enjoying it as a as an experience. But one of my gripes appears to be that they're taking concepts that worked for a game system that was designed from the ground up, either Marvel Crisis Protocol or Hordes of War Machines or something like that. And then they're cut and pasting it, um, filing the serial numbers off it and painting a crudely drawn X-Wing on top of it and saying, yeah, that'll do. That worked. That worked for the last thing I did, so it'll work for this as well. And 
it feels to me like a bit of a one-true wayism of a game this developer who has developed a, a mechanic or a, a something that worked. Um, and he's like, well, it works. So well, let's just reuse that um, with no consideration that it might not work for this game system. Um, so, but I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a minor quibble because, you know, tournaments and tournament scoring are a long way off for any of us to worry about and Adepticon is first and then there's going to be another one in America I know they've announced a second one in America um, and we're all expecting them to announce them in, in Europe but they haven't done so yet um, so you know we've got a long old road before we figure out or before we're in like a, a big room of nerds playing X-Wing um, and, and we're being subjected to whatever the rules are at that point in time but yeah. Anyway, um, talking about 2.5, we've all played more games. Liam's come onto the podcast again at last because he feels like he's played enough games to talk about them. Um, we've been playing in the club and online as well. Um, oh, Tim's been, I say hammering, but he's been he's been playing a few games online um, over the course of the last week. Um, so uh, I'll start off with you, Liam. How how have you found it? Because we've not really had your opinion since the uh, the initial shocked what on earth have they done recording a week after they dropped everything uh i'm enjoying my games uh everything i voiced as a concern does seem to be coming true i i mean it is only a sample size of five games but there hasn't been a single one that's gone to six turns yeah uh what um what lists have you been uh using what kind of what, I've what just been using, been using. So I, I, the first game I played was against yourself, and I used the four ship scum, which was Fen, Din, uh, sorry, Mando, uh, Gamut Key, and something else. You see, you say Fen, but you didn't have Fen. You had, <laughs> oh, um, you I had, had Fen the, and the Cab. Track. I had Fen and Cab. No, you didn't. You had Manaru and Dingerin, and. That was our second game. Was it? Okay, yeah. fair enough. Cad. Uh, oh, yeah, Cad, Cad Solis. Solis. Yeah, not yeah. Cad I was like, Cad uh, not out yet. No, so obviously I had our first game where I used four ships. Uh, then I jumped from that uh, to using five ships, which was Manaru, Ahav, Cad Solis, Gamut Key, and Dinjarin. Uh, five ship builds. Seems fairly strong for holding objectives. It's got enough punching power. So, like, a breakdown stat-wise of my games. Uh, total ships fielded across... Total ships fielded across all five is 48 between both players. Uh, between both players, uh, 17 ships have been destroyed. So that's about 35% of the ships uh, before the game's over. Points gained from kills is 63. And the points... Gained from objectives 118. Uh, the minimum ships taken in any of my games was four, and that was me and my captain in two games, mm-hmm. collectively. Uh, it doesn't like I have fun playing the game, but every time I've won, I'm like, oh, I've won, rather than oh, I've won. Like this is great. It doesn't feel like I should have won. Yeah feels like an unsatisfying conclusion sometimes it, um, it's just very premature yeah the board state game, looks completely unfinished I had, I had a game against andreas tolman 
couple of days ago and um, one of the evenings it was like his second game and so i was flying like four x-wings just to be like i'm not going to fly something disgusting and degenerate into you and um he's like up a little bit he's got two objectives and it's like 14 to 12 or something like that and then a really i've got an x-wing sitting with a fuel leak with like two health left and a um he sneaks a crit through on the fuel leak um so the i take the crit and it's uh it's a whole breach and then i take the second crit and it's a direct hit and suddenly i get the the, the chain i had most had more than two health left but basically it went like random event chances happened like he sneaked a crit through when he shouldn't have done on average dice and then the crit chain happened and suddenly he got four points and he went from 14 to 18 and then end phase happened and he scored his two objective points and i was like yeah and you win and he's like what i can't have won it was only on 14 points it was like you've just killed four points worth of shit game's over he was like but that I, like he, he was like I, I wasn't planning to win then i was planning to win in two turns or in a turn you know I, I had my next turn planned out because your ship was yeah. going to do something and i was like yeah it's, game's finished you've won well done <laughs> and he was like oh um and i think that's kind of what you're 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 kind of alluding to isn't it that kind of um yeah the game just ends at one point when you're not expecting it to end it, it's not even nice if you look at the board state of any game that's finished now there's still ships on either side yeah and I mean, that's because we're not doing the standard dogfight anymore. But I really did enjoy wiping my opponent off the table. Um, but it's... I don't know. It's, it is a fun game, but every win just feels like it's premature. Mm. There's no... There's no s- scenarios in which... I say scenarios as in not the scenario objective-wise, but created scenarios yeah where i feel like oh i need to do this to do this and then there's my win condition i just go i'll just do this mm-hmm. yeah it I mean, do- there been... doesn't seem to be any creative choice for me i just go oh, i'll just do this because it's easy points yeah there's been a few posts on the um on the uk and ireland facebook group where people have kind of been saying you know the problem that I've got is that it doesn't matter what I'm using, it doesn't matter what my opponent's using, I don't have to consider people's lists, I just have to look at the board and think, how do I get 20 points? Um, and it doesn't matter what jank your list does, I just can ignore that and just do my thing um, that I need to do to get 20 points. Um, yeah. And in some cases, lists are going to be built where you know, you're planning on killing 8 points of your opponent's ship to get to 20 points because you don't have 7 ships and you can't dominate the objectives, but um, yeah, I, do, I don't think it's healthy if the game, if players don't need to interact with their opponent's decisions um, and you've got two people who can fly around. Now, I've not had any games that have been like that, but, you know, I can't discount other people's, um, other people's opinions and other people's experiences, you know, just because they don't connect to my own. Um, so, cool. Interesting. Um, ben. How have you been finding it since we had the um, the night where we all went down and played as many 2.5 games and you played Tim a lot? How have you been finding <laughs> it since then? You've been playing some different stuff. Well, I tried a few different lists, but I picked the games, um, I picked my scenarios randomly. And it just so happened that I played, is it Salvage? 
can't remember what it's called. The one where you collect stuff. Yeah, yeah. I ended up playing that three times in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, that's quite lucky because I think that's probably the most fun scenario. Like, yeah. it sort of encourages you to shoot, doesn't it? Um, it's the most engaging one, certainly. Um, yeah. So I, I had, I think I've only had like three more games since then. Um, but yeah, a lot of my upgrades I didn't use. Um, they were just there. So what, yeah, what, had, what, what have you been flying? What, what list did you take? What did I try last time? I had said the Mandalorian. Yeah, so you, you had Mandalorian Manaru, didn't you? No, I didn't have Manaru. Oh, no, you had Mandalorian, you had the two, you had Dacebow, Norman, Gamut, Key. Oh, yeah, and then uh, Emon. Emon, um, with the Electro Proton Bomb. Yeah, so so someone in the Tonton list, I think it was um, uh, Chris. Chris, Chris Patrick. Yeah, um, posted that list, so it had two Hawks in it, so I wanted to try it. Um, that, that was really what <laughs> made me want to try it. And so as I went through, I kind of learned some of the little tricks that it did. So that was fun. Do you know what that list reminded me of? 100 Point Ray. Bob's 100 Point Ray. 100 yeah, yeah. When, I, when I'd sort of got the, my head around it, that's what I was starting to realise. It's like it's two two support hawks to basically support Mandalorian. And then Emon is just doing his own thing. He he exists to, to basically be a three-dice gun and to chuck bombs out um, but- and, and board control. I wasn't super tactical with it. I was just kind of playing around because that's how I kind of learn best is to do the wrong moves and, you know, just basically mess about a little bit. Um, chuck, chuck, chuck the ships across the board and roll some dice and see what yeah, happens. And, yeah, and then figure out from there. Yeah. If I uh, hit him that I win the joust, then I won't actually know if I would have won the joust unless I go and joust you. Yeah, exactly. Sort of thing, yeah. Um. But yeah, all three games did finish like early rounds. Um, even the like that. So out of the three games, I think I, I can't remember who I played first. Oh, I played um, what's his name? He's got Adam. No. Oh, Matt. oh, Matt. I always want to call him Will, and I know it's not his name. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Even when he's there, I want to call him Will. I might just start calling him Will anyway. Um, yeah, I played Will. And I played you. Yeah. And you played um uh, Steve. Steve, yeah. Yeah. Then so so I won, even the game like I won, it was very quickly done. I mean I had fun though, I'm not gonna lie, I did enjoy myself because that scenario is the most sort of chaotic and fun. Um Yeah, I think it's a weird scenario that one actually, because I think it could be super like disengaging and not fun if your opponent is flying like if you're flying four or five ships and your opponent has three really fast moving aces and they jump out grab three things and then just vanish and you've then got five turns to actually kill something or even just get a shot on them and push a crit through so to make them drop a crit just to buy yourself some time um but if you've got like a fairly evenly matched Set of li- um set of li- lists list choices, um then it gets to be super engaging, quite tactical about who you shoot and where you're placing crits, crates and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I do. I do think they were like, I know people are saying that you're encouraged not to engage, but 
you know, I I killed one of Steve's ships and it was like eight points. Yeah. Like that was the first thing I tried to do was was kill the ship that was a little bit out on its own. So there is still there is still incentive to go and kill ships. I just think it's there's just too many objectives because you can get too many points too quick. Like in I think one of my games, I can't remember if it was me or my opponent, but basically we ended up with four of them through like popping one off with a crit. And then the game just skyrocketed from there. And there was no way I think it was I'm sure it was Matt. I just couldn't come back. Yeah. Because he was, was getting four he was getting four four points every single round. Yeah, I was watching that game because he basically had Ray, Poe, Bucket and Merrill. Yeah. Um and at one point he basically he, he popped one off you and grabbed it with I think it was Ray. Yeah. Was the was the fourth one. And then he just disengaged with Bucket and Merrill. And Poe has overdrive thrusters, so you can only really trade shots with him if Matt wants you to. Yeah. Um, and then you're left basically trying to chase Ray to get eight points from killing Ray and or force her to drop her crate, um, which is hard enough anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I managed to get Ray, but then it was like usually dropping such a high point ship, it's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're back in the game. And it was just, he just ran away and left, didn't play again. <laughs> Because he had three now, and yeah. you can catch him. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an interesting thing. Um, I do like them. I'm not. I, I do enjoy the scenarios. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do too. I just wish it wasn't over so quick. And I know people are always like, "Oh, you, you know, we in the old game we used to just circle around for a bit, but not everybody did that. And it was. It certainly wasn't every game. Every game I've played, I feel like it's ended too quick. Yeah, it, it encourages, there was something Andrea said, which is that it just encourages you to, to go straight to the joust. You know, it's like you're, you're engaged on turn one or turn two. Um, basically, if you both five straight into the middle objective, you're rolling dice at each other. Somebody's got a token, somebody doesn't, um, depending on what action choices you've made or who had initiative um, after the road roll. Um, so, you know, somebody gets the objective, somebody gets a token, and then you trade dice. And probably nothing happens. And then turn two, everybody's engaged because some somebody's dashed into the middle. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a bit it's a bit of a weird one because I mean, I'd, I'd, we've got another couple of things to to touch on, but I just want to finish kind of the run round. Um, Tim, do you want to chat about like some of the games and stuff you've had, or are you feeling too much like you're about to die? No, Tim I'm, just I'm, one shots Ahsoka at range three. That's how he does. Yeah, easy. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, so I've been on Hexard a couple of times, so I've I've brought my um, Seventh Sister and five Tie Advanced, a uh, nice wholesome list, uh, onto um, onto that. And that list is disgusting. I cannot believe that that fits. Yeah, and because I, I, I played Andreas today as well, and it's like we were chatting about things. The fact that they've got five hull, three agility, do a focus. Like, if I really want to, I could be a real, you know, what are they called? Negative play experience um in some of some of the objective missions like the salvage one if i want to i could grab three um three crates turn one or certainly if my opponent's not aware that i'm going to grab three crates and then you know do you knock those off and if i can hold those for five six seven turns like is that just game over like the seventh sister could just five forward into the middle of the board pick up the objective and then she's got two force with brilliant evasion um 
So unless you set up a, you know, opposite her, she probably doesn't take any damage, and then she can like just disappear. Um, yeah. So like I played Brendan um, in the last game, and I felt a bit a bit down after the game. Like I lost, but I I felt I didn't feel I should have lost. I had a couple of bad defensive roles, and I actually tried to play an aggressive game as opposed to an objective based game, and that really punished me. Like not picking up a crate with Saint Sister because um, she survived the entire game um, so she just would have been just statically like just scoring me a point um, I made a few bad you know, decisions uh, like I, I think I summed it up in our group chat and where I just flip-flopped between plans like through the game and that just showed in some of my positioning in the group chat you said he totally diced you yeah, no. Uh, look, I'll, I'll hold my hands up when I get good dice or bad dice. You know, it, it does. It does happen. Like, um, I, I actually watched it back. You know, and, and if he doesn't kill um, the other tie advance that sat in front of Manaru, I kill Manaru that turn, and I probably win because, like we're saying, like you know, if you if you get that big, if you get a kill and it's that big swing, if that suddenly puts me four points up, you know, that's that's quite a you know a, a big thing. Um, so we played. So I played Andreas today. So I actually took the seven force, um, more uh, gauntlet uh, list. Uh, tinkered it slightly from what Brendan took. Um, he, he had it at six. I think he'd left Ahsoka off to give. No, 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 Brendan. No, no, Brendan. Brendan has seven against me. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, so Andreas <laughs> took. I think it was two arcs, uh, Hawk in the lat, and Obi Wan. And he essentially set up on one flank to joust me, but that meant that like I could just hold two objectives uncontested. Um, so we played the the satellite one that you you basically um, you don't you don't activate them as such. You just have to be within naught to one, and whoever's got the most ships claims it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we found that that was really swingy because all his ships were worth like you know four or five, if not more points. Uh, so as soon as I popped. Uh, and the low agility as well. So as soon as I popped an arc, which was quite easy, you know, like two headhunters just abused um, Jag and and just killed him over a couple of turns. Um, and then suddenly that gets me five points. And then he kills Nadru next turn in in exchange, and he gets two points off me. And it's like mm, okay, that's not really a fair trade. And it's like well, it is what it is. I mean, I think that's something i've been thinking about a bit is that you know these like every faction has like one two-point pilot and you seem to see them everywhere because they're they're a named pilot so it's like nadru for scum you've got uh oh, it's not arvel what's the um the, the mining guild type yeah. but you see yeah, the, there's there's night beast a- there's a- have Bl- um, blount have. yeah blount uh, and clivian you've got bucket, bucket some, yeah. some of the factions have got two um Imperials have got loads because um, a bunch of their generic ties um, basically are too. But this is um, this is the problem with the, with the, the the list building mechanic that they've created because they've shrunk it down to twenty points, and ship cost goes from two to you know, well, I'll say two to five generally. I mean, obviously the larger ships do exceed that. Um, so you do find a lot of lists where people are sort of building an eighteen point list and then just squeeze that two point ship in. As opposed to thinking, well, I'll upgrade one of my existing ships to something bigger. Um, I yeah, I mean, I'm I'm seeing the list building to be a little one dimensional because uh, there's 
know, this is the thing is with with any kind of list building, there's always going to be stuff that seems to be a bit more not overpowered, but certainly optimal, um, if if not overpowered. But yeah, um, I, mean, think... I, th I think you're absolutely right because um, some of the two, two of the factions, the two factions that people are talking about being really, really good at the minute are um, Republican rebels and Republic have got Contrail, who's an I-5 two-point ship um with reposition um and access to really good mods if he takes best which is the only thing he can change and the other one is an a-wing that's the only upgrade he can take is is again the config at zero points but that gives him access to a rear rear arc and system phase repositions it is um, nice for republic to have a bit of time in the sun again though because yeah, it is. they've, they've it been is. kind of after they um changed the 7b points they kind of died a bit didn't they the thing is, they were getting a small resurgence at the end of two point as well. A little bit. There, there was there was good lists, but there wasn't as much. There wasn't like a lot of good lists for them. You know? Do you yeah. know what I mean? They struggled out of all the factions. They yeah. struggled the most. And they're, they're probably like they're pretty cool, aren't they? To be Jedi's. <laughs> you know, it's fun. It's fun having force. I was going to say we, we've always said that it's fun. Being a Jedi is is fun, and zipping them around and yeah. repositioning and playing with them is fun, and it's always really exciting because there's always just a possibility that they just explode, <laughs> and you know there's not a lot you can do about it. So, um, yeah, it's um, it, it's it, from a personal perspective, the stuff that I've been flying, I, I played obviously that disgusting six ship rebel thing mm. against you last week. Also, just so people know, proton bombs pop the crates off. <laughs> they do. Uh, uh, which I didn't realise. Especially if Ben forgets that they can be sent five forward and flies <clears throat> ships right on top of them. <laughs> um, which was hilarious, briefly, for, for, for both of us. Um, but the worst bit was he got me in a position where you could do it again the next turn and there was not a lot I could do about it. Yeah, so you couldn't even pick the crates back up again, and that no. was the end. That was the end <laughs> of the game, basically. Because you're like, well, I can pick them up, and then have no tokens when you <laughs> when you shoot me, having made me drop them again. <sighs> so, yeah. Um, so I did that, and it's very obviously a good list, and I've flown some of the um, the large scale Republic lists. Um, so I'm going to start playing about with some different stuff. So for um, club tomorrow and bringing something that can carry Mandalorian commandos because nobody's using them. So I'm going to give them a try and <laughs> see what they're like. Um, and then uh, I've got um, a Jedi list, which is because um, I only own four Ether Sprites in real world. Um, uh, it's four Ether Sprites and an ETA two rather than five Ether Sprites, um, which you can fit in if you go for if, the... Uh, for if the you iPhone. do want to fly the other one, I've got some packs you can borrow. Ah, it's all good. I've got um, I've got crit meme Obi Wan Kenobi to, mm. to fill in the gap, so I'm sure I'll cope. <laughs> with with uh, with list building and and games and stuff, have you found that you've been not bothering to like look through your opponent's list quite so heavily because of the sheer amount of cards that they've got? Yeah, I just give up. I look and I go, oh, I, I recognise that ship. I know that one's ability. I'll just remember that. It's like I played um, Steve and he had Terry, uh, old Terok. And I know he's a pain in the ass. It's like, right, I'll just kill him. Um, he's some respect on that name. It's Big Tez. <laughs> uh, so, so I just didn't bother looking at anything else. I just thought, we'll kill that. 
this is it. Like, like, so you... I know when we we played, um, like we were forgetting even some of our own cards because I mean I'd like nine, just... nine upgrades on the Mandalorian and stuff like that. But I I've, I found the last couple of games I'll just wait until my opponent tells me. Like I have a quick glance over, and it, it's probably <laughs> it's probably more because these are just like casual games, and I'm not so like. You know, if it was perhaps a competitive game, I'd, I'd perhaps pay a bit more attention. But equally, like when your opponent's like putting out twenty upgrade cards, when you know p- before we might have had what five or six. I guess it might get easier though when things just sort of become the standard build. Possibly, yeah. I guess so. Like you, you, you know, but is that where like, we, is that where we're going to see more variation? Are we going to see? Uh, more uh, sort of similar lists, ship lists, because you know there'll be certain like combinations that uh, fit better, and it's actually the upgrades where we see a lot, a lot of change. I mean, I appreciate that obviously some ships will probably just have a default build, um, but there might be a bit of tinkering. You know, like so at I... the end of one point we all knew what the Nim build was, but then you'd have some people that bring like an Ion Bomb, or you know, maybe we'll end up in that sort of situation where there's just maybe like one upgrade that's different and you'll just have to remember that that one different upgrade. Well, that only works in this system if the upgrades cost the same points. Yeah. Otherwise you'll have one that would be cheaper. Oh yeah. Cuz cuz people would have done that in 2.0 for the bid or 1.0 for the bid. Fair. So, um next thing kind of to talk about is one of the things that we've noticed people doing in, in basically all of the games is loading up on five plus small base ships occasionally medium and large base ships are, are creeping in but most of the lists that you see in turning up are small base ships um makes a have sad but you know he's happy the one time he comes up against a, a big base ship um <laughs> something that i've noticed though is when you so if i put down let's say darth vader and an x1 He's got 20 million points of loadout, so he's got pattern analyzer, fire control <laughs> systems. He's got some kind of missiles. He's got upgrades all over the place. He's got hate and malice. Why not? Let's just have four crits on three, three, four crits on every single roll. Right. Um, or you've got an 11 point Vader defender, or you've got Luke Skywalker with regen and debris gambit and proton torpedoes, or any of the defenders, actually, because they're all eight plus points. Poe at seven, um, Fenrau with seven. When you put these, basically what are double repositioning aces, Fen's a bit of a special case, I think, because he probably still suffers from being Fen Rao. Um, but when you put any of these really high-cost ships on the table, do you bother, as an opponent, chasing that ship to try and get it eight points? Or do you just assume that it's going to be flying around, taking an objective every turn, and there's no point because you can't score half points on it in objectives. So what's the point in shooting uh, an evaded two-force Luke Skywalker um, who can regen and run away when you can turn around and shoot the other stuff instead? Are are, are high point aces actually really good now because of the short duration of games? Go on, Liam. I have found if I see something that looks even slightly difficult to kill, I'll just go for the rest of the list. It it just makes it a, oh yeah, I won't bother. Which, considering the game I was used to playing, I used to see that high-pointed ship and go, that is, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> yummy, yummy. But now it's just turned into a, why bother? Yeah. 
What about you, Ben? I'm just trying to think. I mean, it, I think it depends how far behind I get. Like, so, like, I'll go back to that game with Matt. I knew that it was really unlikely that I could get Poe, but I was still trying to go for him because that was the one I could kill enough to win. Um, but early on, probably not, no. So I suppose the problem is if you look at that game with Matt and you think, right, I'm whatever, 16-9 down, the only way I can win the game now is to kill, you know, Poe and get objectives because that gets me back up to 17. Yeah, then and it was you're, pretty unlikely. You're in the, you've got a couple of turns and you can't kill an overdrive thruster Poe in two turns. It takes, even when you were playing 12-turn, um, even when you were playing like a 12-turn deathmatch in version 2, if somebody had overdrive thrusters on pull and they didn't want to be shot at, they just wouldn't be shot at. Um, you, they might not have done any damage and spent the entire game running, but you know you couldn't chase it. Now, if that pull is tagging objectives with his double action every turn, or is carrying a crate, then what can you do? You know, <laughs> yeah. I that, mean, that eight points is safe. Now he you, has you, to, he has to secure eight points to make his value back. But you know, you're saying about. Um... So I've tanky, unkillable ships before, but but so sometimes in 2.0, that, that was the same thing. You look at a ship and you're like, well, I'm not doing any damage there. Mm-hmm. Like, um, even, you know, it's just, there was just certain, you know, like when you've got like a, a, a cloaked whisper with force and an evade, you know you're not really going to do any damage. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't necessarily think that that's like a new thing because that's just the way aces operate. Uh, operated in general anyway i mean it does it change the conversation or does it change the answer if we start looking at the big base ships that are also eight nine ten eleven points so um you know your your ray in the millennium falcon your mole in the gauntlet or in the whatever it's called the separatist thing you know that's the one Um, that's the one um i actually have the words on the screen in front of me right now and i just failed to read them i'm I'm so clever um (laughs) you know and we we talked about bosk the other week because tim was using bosk in his in his build um bosk is usually seen as a bit of a points pinata at eight points um and in version two port bosk was like well i'll get behind him and kill him and that's some easy points for me to win the game I guess part of the problem now is is that if you're shooting at Bosk and he takes five turns to kill, the game might be over before you kill him. But if you get those eight points, and you can achieve them, because Bosk does die eventually if you shoot him enough. Um, but if you get those eight points, do you win or do you just lose more narrowly? You know, I, I think that problem um, comes down to the, the game length again, more than the defensive nature of certain ships though like yeah it ideally you would have more than five turns i mean we've got 20 turns for a reason so the 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 idea must be for us to get at least closer towards 20 than than five 12 12 turns 12 Uh, sorry 12 i'm thinking 20 points sorry yeah no, we, um, yeah, we've got twelve. We've got twelve turns, and I have seen a couple of games go to like seven or eight when I've been watching. That's it. the most I've had is I've gone to. I think I went to. I think me and Tim went to seven, didn't we? Yeah, I um, think what, it was anyway. What What's your opinion on it, Tim? Do you think there's value in in kind of AC ships that can hold their points, like Points Fortress or 
Yeah, um, no, no, I think that's that's quite an interesting thing to think about. Like, so I've obviously played against and then with the gauntlet, and the gauntlet's uh, eight points uh, more. Um, so it's like, you know, perhaps you're looking at sort of, you know, return. Is more going to get eight points back during the game? Well, he's probably not going to hold objectives for eight turns. Um, whereas, like, if you take lots of little ships that cost two or three points or like, you know, the my tie advances, they, they will quite likely not only score one or two objectives during the game, but they potentially will kill something that, you know, gets their points back. So um, you could you could see that from an ace point of view where, you know, if that ace, you know, the small base aces are what, five or six points? Um, it's seven and eight. Or even seven and eight. Like, yeah. you know, if, if they can, like, you know, if one of them grabs, like, you know, your supply cash and runs off with it, a half a dozen turns he makes his points back um you know and it's sort of that sort of return um but then i mean will, 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 will that work in every game though like if you're playing in a tournament and they perhaps cycle through the missions you are yeah. going to play the dogfight mission you are going to play the you know there's only one in the center of the table sort of mission yeah it's it i think that's the other key point to this is that there's four scenarios and, you know, they might release more. Um, we don't know how we're going to be selecting which missions we play. So um, they, they've picked up a lot of stuff from other game systems. Legion has a has a mission, has a, a system where you rule out missions that you don't want to play. Um, and then you choose between the ones that are left after you've ruled out some missions. Um, so, you know, if, if that ends up being the thing and you never want to play dogfight, then every single turn or chance encounter, as it's called, every single turn, you, you plonk your cards down on a table and you say, I'm ruling out chance encounter. So I'm going to play one of these other three things. And the other person says, well, I don't want to play scramble. It's like, okay, so we're playing between satellite array and salvage mission. Those are the two that we're playing. Um, pick one or 50-50 or whatever. Um, or as you said, you know, they just cycle through them and round one, everybody plays satellite array and round two, everybody plays chance encounter and blah, blah, blah. Um, we don't know, and this is the thing that we're waiting for. Um, I think to to figure out what um, what AMG have got in their heads for it. But I think it's interesting as a thought exercise to think while everybody has scrambled to maximise the volume of ships in their list, maybe at the cost of the efficiency, or the, not the efficiency, but the effectiveness of those ships. Um, so you know, we've seen people taking N1 handmaidens. It's great that they're seeing play. Like I love the fact that they're seeing play. But you see some people take plasma torpedoes and fire control systems, but other people take R2 astromechs so that they can just fly around regening and capturing objectives. But then what happens if they get involved in a dogfight and they're hitting like a wet noodle because they've got a two dice unmodified gun? Um, you know, it's it's not great. So, you know, it's um, it's an in it's an interesting exercise for me, a thought exercise. One of the other things that I've been thinking about is based on the composition of your squad, how you want the objectives to be placed. Um, because AMG have changed the wording on the objective placement so that they now have to be at range two to four of your board edge or your opponent's board edge rather than within. So it gives you about an extra inch where you can put the thing. Um, but it gives you an awful... everyone wants an extra inch, mate. <laughs> but it gives you a, a weird thing where you can you can if you put it if you put the objective right 
in line with the center objective on your home thing you can put it right on the edge of your deployment zone literally right on the edge of range one it just fits in the in the space there and is a legal placement for it um so i can see there being a default setup now where if you think about the the hands of a clock if you have one in the middle then one at 12 o'clock one at six o'clock which both players just place immediately right in front of themselves and then you've got one at just a little bit past nine and then a one at just a little bit past three um and you end up with those slightly offset ones at nine and three and then dead straight ones at um 12 and six and then you really do just have that very like that's the vanilla um objective setup but what's weird is that you can place your objectives in a completely different place you can put them at like two o'clock on the clock and then your opponent's like, oh man, now what do I do with this one? Do I bunch everything on one side? So there's four objectives like on one side of the board if you count the middle one and only one on the other? Or do I try and spread it out and put it like in a similar position for him over there? And what does my list want to do? We talked about this before. What does my list want to do? How do I win the game? If I want to go down there and murder 10 points worth of his ships while taking objectives as I go, then is it actually better for me to put the objectives that I can place on his side closer to him so that he spends more time in his deployment zone picking up home objectives so that I can then rush everything down there and just have a massive scrum at that end of the board because I know his ships are going to be there. Whereas if I spread everything out, I have to spread my forces out. I can't commit everything into one lane. Um, I, I've I've been finding that the turn zero is massively important massively even more than ever it was always important but massively important where you put your objectives where you put your obstacles and where you set up your ships now can just determine a win and a loss within a couple of turns um and i think that's one of the things people have been saying on the facebook groups is you know i know that i've won at the end of turn one because i've got my outcomes that i wanted and now all i have to do is see it through and it's hard to come back from that so yeah. Anyway, that's interested me. Anything, anything that has popped into your heads over the last couple of weeks? Weird strategic stuff. I'm still getting my head around them a little bit. Um, just, just generally learning to. It's a very, it's different in it. So, I've not full on thought about the strategies. I'm still just in the trying to have fun with it. Yeah, I'm I'm capable of thinking about all this stuff when I'm sitting at home on my lunch or whatever. Um, <laughs> but then when I'm actually standing across a table from somebody, you just go, oh, let's push ships to the play dice. <laughs> so, <laughs> converting it from the thought exercise into actually, you know, turning it into something. But I know um, Ollie um, Pocknell created a TTS map that has a, a zone for where you can put objectives and it's like looks like a poker ball basically mm. um for where you can put objectives or where they're allowed to be placed um and it's a bit it's actually quite useful um to be able to visualize where like where legal ob obstacle placement is um and obviously then you can defend quadrants of the legal setup areas by putting you say i don't want him to be able to put anything else here so I'm going to put one right in the middle of that area so he can't put anything legally there within range two of it. Um, and then and then I can also cluster that area with rocks when it comes to obstacle placement as well. So, I, you know, I can just block off an, ob an objective from being achievable or easily achievable um, on turn one. 
if you really commit to doing it, you can do it. Um, but you know, the question is how much of your resources, you know, you've got three rocks, how much of those resources are you going to commit to blocking off somebody's route into a single obstacle, uh, objective, sorry. Um, uh, from what I've noticed when I've played Tim, the first couple of day games, we, we tried quite hard with the rocks to block each other and mess each other up. And we, we come to realize that we couldn't really stop each other from doing what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you could still get round and do the same thing you wanted to do, no matter where the rock was. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. Tr- that's true for small bases, but uh, as, I say, as I played the game this evening, um, I had two large ships, uh, Andreas had three medium ships, and I think that actually had a bigger impact. Um, mm-hmm. Like th- th- We almost had a channel where I could get both my large ships down, um, but then Andreas actually blocked that off. So I think certainly for small bases, it probably has... It's not as tactical, or at least we were overthinking it a bit too much. I think you can you can stop people from being able to five straight into an obstacle to claim it by blocking off the the the, the direct channel to it because well, yeah the, the direct channel you but, just can't reach it but you can't block off all of it. Like yeah, it is, but if it you're possible. too far to one side because of Pythagoras and maths, you you can't quite reach it with a five straight unless you've got assist like a reposition so like obviously jedi can just do like function controls and go and grab it anyway but um if you're too far like left or right of it you just can't quite make it you have to be pretty much on a line with it or with your your base close enough that it would fly over the top of it on one side or the other to be able to to snag it with a five straight um if you're if you're just too far to one side you can't um so you can defend it or you can you know stick a couple of rocks down um or in a triangle formation in front of it to just be like you, you can't five straight here um just so put, it, a picture, possible... put a picture in discord chat yeah it, you, it's it's possible to block it but as i say you need to use three obstacles and you can only block one objective so is it worth doing mm. is is what i'm is what i'm getting at all right have a look. I don't believe you can fully block it off with three obstacles. No. No. No, if you put one obstacle to the left and one obstacle to the right and one obstacle in the middle and they're all legal, then you can't five straight because you can put rocks within like within range where they wouldn't be able to do it. We'll we'll see. Well I'll you, you can all prove me wrong and then I'll say, all right, I was wrong. Um, or I'll prove you all wrong and then you're I'm right I'm off. sticking with for now that I don't believe you. Anyway, biggins maybe we'll see. <laughs> uh, you, on, this, on the subject of rocks, or yeah, do you think uh, we're going to see a switch towards people bringing smaller rocks? Because uh, usually a lot of people have just like me, especially. I've, I've been using the same three rocks in pretty much every event I've ever been to. In I've used the the same three rocks as I've used since I started running double sprays over a year and a half ago just because they occupy so much uh, real estate on the board because they're the ones in your bag what are you going to say well in 2.0 I I pretty much predominantly all took uh, the three big debris and you've seen the amount of times I've flown my swarms through through them because I've gone I'll take a stress and that's fine whereas now I've actually been taking the big rocks because what I've found is that alright I might take two damage but I get to perform an action on the other side. 
and so actually taking the rocks i think is um like tactically can be one of those that if you have to do it you just go through and take your action like against um uh brendan i did a hard three over the rock uh i rolled a crit but actually on a hit or a crit you just take a face down damage so i didn't have to uh, shed my cargo i then could barrel roll link that into a focus So that's why I'm taking big rocks anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, it's a, it's a good like they are worse, um, but they're worse for other people if you're confident in your ability to navigate your ships around them, um, and rather than just flying and not hitting them, but putting your ships in useful places while not hitting them, um, or to be able to make that, that decision that says I'm going to yeet over this now, um, I think we might actually see people putting um, gas clouds on the table, um, because they are less immediately awful than the other ones um so while you get jammed um or sorry you you break all locks um so you know if you've got loads of locks on you you can just fly through one um you still get your action at the other side of it although you might end up strained and you might end up ioned um it's again one of those kind of decisions like if you can fly through a gas cloud and you get a strain and an ion um, but you also break all the locks that are on you and now you get to take a focus um, or a target lock on something else because you're off the cloud now um, or a focus because you're ioned because that's the only thing you can do um, that you might not be in as bad a position as if you'd you know, tried to fly around it um, because now things are taking less or unmodified shots into you and you've got a modification to use on your dice but um, I don't know one one funny thing I did notice, I was playing a game against Cormac um, the other day, and between how we'd placed the obstacles, uh, the objective, sorry, and how we placed the first five obstacles, we'd all we'd both taken the biggest three debris clouds. There was literally one space with no room for manoeuvre where the last of those um, debris clouds could fit on the board. Um, and it would have been very easy for us to move one of the other obstacles down about half a centimetre, not even that, maybe even just a couple of millimetres, and there wouldn't have been room for the final obstacle to put down um, because you can't put it down on top of a thing. You can't put it down and range one of another obstacle. Um, so the the objectives were blocking off areas. All of the rocks were so big that there were just was there, there there could be a situation where there isn't room to put obstacle six down legally, which I find hilarious, truly hilarious, because I don't think there's any rule for what you do at that point or how you manage it. You uh, you carry on trying to place until time's done. <laughs> <laughs> Not allowed to play. Maybe that's one to ask Chris Allen on the Adepticon form for crazy rulings. What do you do if you can't place all six object- uh, obstacles after objectives are down? Um, all a judge or go for a beer. Do you put it illegally? Do you just not place it? I don't. I mean, I don't know what I would do if somebody asked me as a um, as a judge. I might say restart your um, your objective placement or move something so that there is a legal space for it to be. What um, was the rule in two point Because there was a very specific scenario where you could only fit five. Um, I don't think it what well, there was because there was, no, there was one them from placing. 
No, it's. I think it's if oh, you all oh, had no. the largest rocks. It was. I've only heard about it in myth and legend. I uh, think. I think it was. Um, there was a ace is high. You couldn't place um, all six rocks if you took the big ones because they couldn't be within range one of a hyperspace point. So there wasn't then because you had four hyperspace points. You then had huge zones where the rocks weren't allowed to be. Um, so you ended up with um, a bunch of spaces basically where rocks couldn't go. But in a normal game, there's no there's no way you can place rocks such that you can't put the last one down without having bubbles created by things like objectives. Yeah. Because like if you have an objective cornered at two two. Or not even cornered at two two, but like kind of lurking just inside of two two, then that blocks that whole area from a rock from going there, and that just starts to shrink the viable space for it. Um, so anyway, it's an interesting thing, and maybe it's one that I will ask on the uh, on the forum just to be helpful and not at all annoying, like pointing out that that doesn't say in the rules you can't use your <laughs> template. You've been on one today, haven't you? Oh, I was looking for some entertainment this afternoon. It was a slow day of work. And, uh, <laughs> nobody bit. I was very sad. But I just pointed out, um, it's, it's worth pointing out for the listeners, that it's never said anywhere in the rules that you can't pre-measure. It just says se- select something secretly and then, you know, use your thing. And as as somebody has rightly pointed out, it's because we've got a permissive rule set, not a restrictive rule set. So um, it doesn't tell you everything that you're not allowed to do with your uh, with your templates. Because if you take it to that extreme, um, then there's nothing to stop you from saying, "I'm going to just see if a barrel roll forward will get me out of arc." Do it, and then say, "No, it doesn't." So I'll take a focus instead, um, because it doesn't tell you that you can't pre-measure barrel rolls. Um, it tells you that if you try and do it and it it fails because of a rock then it fails and you put it back and you don't get something. But it doesn't say that you can't just say, I just want to see if it will fail or not. And you just, let me just check it. So because it's not, uh, because it's a permissive rule set, it doesn't um, tell you all of the things that you cannot do. It tells you the things that you can do. Um, then if it doesn't tell you that you can do something, then that means by default that you cannot do it, um, which means no actual pre-measuring with your templates. You do still have to eyeball three banks and land on rocks in critical games, that kind of stuff, sadly. But um, yeah, there was a there was a brief moment of panic um, from a couple of people. And then Chris was like, no, and explained why, which was nice of him. Um, so yeah, anyway, good fun. Cool. Um, have we got anything else that we want to talk about? Because I've, I've run through the list of stuff that's popped into my head over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I would like to reiterate that X-Wing 2.5 is still a fun game. And if you haven't given it a go and you're writing it off, give it a chance. Because you will enjoy yourself. Uh, my only gripe is that winning the game doesn't feel like you've won the game. But there are ways to fix that. You could drop objectives uh, to three instead of five. And that way you'd see uh, fewer ships in lists because you don't need as many. Uh, but I think we've got to look at Adepticon, look at the data from that, uh, and kind of see how AMG react to it. But right now, you can't write the game off because it's very much uh, the rough workings of a new rule set. 
so it needs time to be polished off and adjusted. Well, and uh, I don't hundred percent disagree with you, but you did kind kind of counter your own statement there, where you were like, you know, it is a fun game, but then, you know, sometimes either winning or losing doesn't feel fun because it feels like the game's half played, and I think that's where a lot of the frustrations are coming from. Like I, I when I played Andreas. He he wasn't very happy at all with the game afterwards. We had we had a good long chat for about twenty minutes or so after the game, and I can absolutely see where, you know, where where people are coming from with with, with this in mind, which is that they are playing games, they are playing different missions, they're trying different lists, um, but there just seems to be something off at the moment for some people, and I felt it as well. Like I've had a couple of games where I've just felt that, you know. I've not had the same sort of feeling I did even after I lost games in 2.0. Um, and the problem we've got now is that we've got a rule set that's almost like in an open beta. You know, is, is, yeah. is, is, is it an open play test that's going to be tweaked? Which will be fine, like, you know, that tweaking. But that, is that tweaking going to take 6, 12, 18 months? And then we finally get third edition, which will be the, you know, whatever the polished rules are. Um, so I can absolutely see people's frustrations coming through. Um, it is a little, a little dismissive just to say to people, and I and I am saying to people as well, go out there and play it, because I think people are there are people out there who are going out and playing it and liking it or not liking it. I think the problem we've got is there's a lot of people out there that just refuse to play it and just saying that it's a bad game. I'm not saying they're wrong, you know, but I think they do need to try it and just sort of make up their own mind really. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that's the that's the thing that um so there's a couple of people have made kind of very grand posts on the internet that are about you know keeping the community together and allowing them to play um both old rules and new rules because the community of, of is, is basically a gaming community and it is um but um there are people who are going to continue to play version two like there are people who are continuing to play version one who've never updated their collections and their ships and just haven't bought anything new since version two came out um it's it it is the the community is currently divided hugely between two quite encamped factions of people who are pro and anti 2.5 and i think ultimately everybody needs to make their own decision my only kind of concern is that gamers being gamers, people who are leaving are trying to take people with them rather than just being like, well, it's not for me, so I'm going to go and find a different game system. Thanks for all the fish, guys. It's been fun. Um, People are kind of slamming doors and breaking glasses as they're walking out the door. Um, And it's it's sad to see that that is happening um, because it doesn't need to. Um, Because, you know, it's a game ultimately at the end of the day. And the most that we've ever played for was plastic versions of pre-existing game components that we already owned. Um, unless you were playing. Whoa! Very, very don't top. you insult my collection? <laughs> plastic stuff. <laughs> unless, unless you were playing at the very top end when you were playing for you know a night a night in a travel lodge and an economy class flight across the Atlantic. I'm sorry. Um, I, I I think you've forgotten my uh, top eight Galaxy Championship uh, golden <laughs> medallion that I wore to the last. <laughs> Club night. That was uh, very, very blingy. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always disappointed well. that Dan never turned up in his Nerf herder belt. No, 
No, Dan won, a ner- won that. I think, Ma- I think Machu won a lightsaber. Some I... people have got some cool trophies, but yeah, it's. Um... I've got some coins. <laughs> I think though, the, the, you know, there is is quite an important message there, which is essentially everyone does this for fun, so everyone needs to come to their own conclusions, and whatever anybody decides to do, it's their personal choice, and they are not right or wrong. Well, they're right because it's it's what they want to do for themselves. But they, you know, there's there's no way that anybody should be sort of you know, belittling people for those who want to move on to two point five, those who like it, those that don't like it, those that are refusing to move on at all. I think everyone just needs to find their own happy place and just you know, try and enjoy the game for what what you know what they want to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm also looking at the option of uh, probably picking up some Hotak stuff as well. Which is here as the Atari clusters, finding new ways to use my stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems I mean, quite fun. Ultimately, if you don't enjoy it, then there's nothing to make you try and keep it and we we are passionate and we love the game. We've all played it for 5 plus years minimum. Um and the enthusiasm that the community has people see that the thing that they enjoy and love and have played for a long time is in inverted commas in danger um and so they're trying to defend it and trying to maintain the current status of it um the the problem is is that those behaviors taken to the extreme do just that they forge more divides into the community or put more splinters into the community than than they do by trying to save them. Um, I would encourage people to send emails into Atomic Mass Games um, or at least to write them and then review them about a week later with them, um, you know, to, to make sure that you've not just gone full nerd rage, um, but to send actual feedback into those guys. Um, there's been some very, very well thought out and well written out posts on Facebook about, you know, I've played X number of games of this and here are my conclusions and this is what I think would be better or worse or, you know, what could be improved. Um, if we're in an open beta, we do need to actually provide feedback. Um, whether we're officially in an open beta or not, um, they can't act on what we think if we don't tell them what we think. Um, so, you know, I would encourage people. Um, Atomic Mass Games have got a contact email address. Um, you know, mark it for the attention of the, the, the X-Wing developers and, and send your stuff in um, and try and keep it as constructive as possible because obviously the um, the language that's been coming out of the, um, the developers from AMG has been very much, you know, if you don't like it, tough. Um, so going in with an antagonistic perspective or a negative perspective is going to basically make them say, well, Double this down. just doesn't want to play it. I'll so. just, just say, though, the, the most amusing part of that, and I completely agree with what you're saying, is the angry email that Ben's been typing in the background while she's been saying that. <laughs> All I can hear is him furiously typing away. So I was uh, actually I was actually trying to send a message to Liam. I was trying to tell him <laughs> something. <laughs> but I didn't want to say it over the podcast. Well, you, you, might, you might as well. Like, you can hear, pretty much hear you type it. <laughs> Liam, he's talking about you. He's talking about you, Liam. I, I'd, I'd never really be the sort to send an angry email. I'd rather tell someone to the face. Yeah. It's not about angry emails here. It is about genuinely about constructive feedback. And constructive feedback isn't your game is bad because. Um, constructive feedback is, you know, I've played this scenario and I think it would be better if. Um, so, you know, put on your, your corporate end of year review. Um, what went well, even better if um, kind of mentality when you're thinking about what you're going to say to them. Um, you know, there's been some suggestions like, you know, 
X scenario would be better if there was four objectives, not five. Liam's mentioned it earlier. You know, this one would be better if it was first to 30, not first to 20. Um, you know, that, that kind of stuff um, is useful, especially if you can say why. Um, you know, not just I don't like it and it would be better if it was different. But when I played, you know, 20 attempts at the, the salvage mission, I find it very difficult because, and I think it would be better if there were less crates or more crates or whatever, um, because, and given that kind of feedback, they can either tweak the scenarios or use your feedback to create new scenarios um, that might be better for your preferred types of lists and that kind of I mean, stuff. So. I think partly though, you know, the frustration is still going to be AMG's lack of communication. Like, yeah. I mean, how long have we had the rules out for now? About three weeks? Uh, something like that, yeah. And have we had any articles or streams about X-Wing 2.5 since then? Oh, they talked uh, about it on a Legion stream. And they keep tweaking him on the on the quiet. That's that's yeah. the thing that's a bit annoying. Yeah, I'm getting my updates and tweaks on the rules from Rich. Yeah, same here. <laughs> which is never a good idea. It's not a good, <laughs> it's not a good I probably got them wrong. It's fine. But this, I think, like I've I've played games against Rich, and I've just gone Rich. Just tell me the rules. If that's you, where you've gone wrong. Surely, if, if anybody is right, re- releasing a new set of rules and stuff like that, you know, you'd, you'd think there'd be some kind of, I don't know, promotion or advertising or something along those lines. Uh, so it seems really strange that we've been given these rules, um, and it's very haphazard about how it was all, you know, announced and everything like that. And then, yeah, sort of radio silence since then. So I, I, I don't know what the plan is. Is is the plan just leave us with it? Yeah, I, th- I think you're, the, the phrase that we, we used earlier, um, which is we're, we're almost playing in an open beta, we, we know that this isn't yet being launched as a way to attract new players to the game because you, you can still buy the product off the shelf. You can still play it using the rules that come in the box. Um, if you go and look for the rules reference guide to help you out, you'll suddenly find that there's new points and new ways of building lists and everything's different and everything's changed. Um, where do I get my points from? I don't understand. Um, you know, so it's all very kind of, um, it, it's not attractive to new players at the moment. Um, I don't think in terms of like the launch or, or of it, um, because the rules aren't available in a box. There's nothing about scenarios. You can only get scenarios in the Epic expansion and in something else, um, the squid, um, the, the big squid says Epic ship. Um, and it's, you know, so I've got to buy all of these extra things in order to be able to play the game now. Um, where, so, I mean, it, I'm expecting AMG if they are trying to do what they say they were trying to do at the, um, whatever it's called, their Adepticon, not Adepticon, what was it called? Mini Stravaganza or something. Mini Stravaganza, yeah. yeah. What they said at the Mini Stravaganza, where they want the game not just to survive, but to thrive and to attract new players, is that they need to launch um, a 2.5 version or a 3, whatever they call it, but they need to launch something that actually refreshes it on the shelves and says, you know, here it is with all of its new rules and all of its glory. And even if it's a card box that just contains, you know, scenario tokens, some bits and bobs, some cards, some cool stuff, whatever, it's fine. Um, It doesn't need to have, you know, an X-Wing and two TIE Fighters like previous core sets or anything else in it. Um, You know, just release something that says, you know, here's a rules update stuff. Um, But we know what the lead time is on that stuff. It's going to be, what, a year? 
at least. Well, the mini, the next mi- mini extravaganza is June. Yeah, we've got a little way to wait. Cool. Um. All right, I think that's enough on two point five. We will continue to talk about it because we're going to continue to play it, and we're testing out like as many different ships and combos and list varieties and stuff as we can because. Um, just using the same stuff over and over again because we think we've hit on something powerful is only it's only really important if we've got a, a tournament to prepare for um and the only thing that we've got on the horizon at the moment is april at board in brum Yay! just just about a month away just under a month away on the 12th is it or the 9th it's, or something it's the 9th uh we're getting the tickets on the websites on Tuesday slash Wednesday, and that's when the event, uh, the Facebook event, will go out as well. How much is it uh, going to be? It's going to be ten pounds. Nice. Standard store thing. We're going to be getting a Louis Long uh, prize kit. Hopefully, get a few of the spot prizes and stuff like that there as well. We'll probably get some store credit on the go. Uh, it'll be capped at thirty-two people, and yeah. Adam Freeman, who some of you might know. Uh, good player will be doing the to stuff for it as well so he's opted out of playing this time uh in favor of letting me play uh because we are kind of looking at taking over and uh promoting boarding brum between ourselves now uh, we're going to be running the tournaments and trying to get more people down cool uh, i'm going i have permission i'm, I'm planning on going yeah um, so I went down once before. It's a lovely restore. So I'm really looking forward to it. Getting down and playing a few games, and then having a big dirty burger in the pub before driving home. So. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm allowed back. <laughs> Sorry, Craig, You're you always welcome. You, you, can you Tim override destroyer the, of override, Can you override the Craig Reed ban? Have you got the authority? I mean, I heard that you know they weren't too happy with 2.5, but I think the real reason they've all quit X-wing because of that. That uh, birthday bash event. Because you thoroughly embarrassed them. Well, no, it's it's. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a good day. It was a good day. <laughs> good day for Tim. Yeah. <laughs> well, the fact that uh, Liam beat Craig round one. <laughs> he was like, yeah, give him a good start to his own birthday, don't you, Liam? Hey. <laughs> so cheerful. It does put me in a thing where I'm like, oh, I've got an event in a month. Maybe I should start try harding on try hard lists for the next month to practice. Then I know that what I'll end up doing is just packing something random and flying that anyway. So no point. Oh, uh, I will point put a point out because of everything coming out new. Uh, we are looking at getting uh, some objective tokens done. Uh, so we're going to get those 3D printed because none of us have any spare. Uh, we'll also put little rules references out as well, uh, giving you all the slight changes and all the new nuances to 2.5 so you can keep, a grip to a, uh, keep grips with them. And we'll have the uh, scenarios on each table as well so you understand and you can read whichever one it is you're playing. Cool. So we're not going to leave it to your, to your grey matter. Uh, it will all be out there for you to read. Best hope AMG no. don't update them. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I've already sent them off to the printers as well. Uh, they'll be fine. Don't worry about it. We'll get them co- uh, covered in Tipex. And... Yeah, Tipex would be fine. Cry on. Just do what I did at the start of the Sith Taker Open side event and just say all the rules that I've told you, ignore them and do something different. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's fine. All right. Has anybody got any shout outs that they want to do particularly? Ben, have you any anything you want to no, say? No, just um it was nice. Obviously Stephen and um oh, what's his name? I'm awful with names. I'm such a bad person, I should have checked this before. But Steve Mulhern. No, what's his mate called? Adam. Adam. Adam, that's it. I'm so bad at names. But it was great to see them both because we haven't seen them for a long time. Yeah. And and they just randomly turned up on club night and it was great. Turns I don't out even just put a house just round the corner from yeah. the, from Element, so we're going to see more of him. They obviously they used to play a lot, didn't they? And I, I just thought they moved on because you know it happens. Yeah, they they just didn't play online. Um, so they yeah, when COVID happened, they just stopped. But yeah, they've been keeping track of it and they've been playing with each other um, as well. So um, yeah, they used to play down the Forge, um, which is yeah. another one of our relatively local game stores. Um, it's connected to Steamforge Games. Um, but yeah, they they uh, they've come back, so hopefully we'll see some more of them. So that was great. And one other shout out, he probably doesn't even listen anymore, but uh, Colin, it was Rich messaged and found out you're still okay. So yeah, it's oh, nice uh, to yeah. know. <laughs> he does not. Oh, I know. But you know, he's so out. He, it was, he, he it was nice to know he's still alive. He played about three games of version two. And we were just talking in the club about um people who'd influence your um like your gaming and your ability to like when you'd made steps of improvement and Colin was one of the names that came up because he was very, very good at sitting across the table from newer players and saying, you know, the next thing you need to do to bring your game on is X. And it was like, you know, think about your win conditions. How are you going to win this game? You know, don't think about what you're going to do next turn, but think about the turn after that. Every time you should be thinking about the turn after. Um, and that kind of, those kind of conversations really brought me along as a player. Um, and he was very, very good at it. Um, he was a very, very good player as well. Um, so catching up very, very quickly by text message with him and Chrissy as well was um, was nice because we were just kind of chatting about, you know, people who who'd impacted our own abilities to play the game, um, but who didn't play anymore. So both Chris and, and Colin kind of dropped the game at version two. They they bought upgrade sets and stuff, but never really got into it. So yeah, we were just talking about them and I thought, oh, wonder how he is. So I pinged a message to him and about two weeks after I sent it, he replied with an, I'm sorry, that was a lovely message to get. <laughs> I've just been so busy. I was like, oh, it's nice. So yeah, cool. Um, Liam, have you any shout outs? Well, in Brum. Yeah. Uh, I'd also like to shout out all of the uh, the Jawa guys over in the US for running a great Pokemon event. Uh, I'm officially the Separatist gym leader. <laughs> nice. And I'm better than everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm... Uh, what's the what's the worst type of trainer? I'm either a Team Rocket grunt You're or I'm like... A, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bug catcher or a youngster <laughs> or something. I'm, I'm one, one of the people that you meet in Viridian Forest leaving Pallet Town. Yeah. And just have a load of cocooners. Yeah, man. It's good fun though. <laughs> I got to the point I've finally got my um my attack shuttle upgraded to Sabine Attack Shuttle and she was brilliant for the two games I had her. And then there was a bounty for letting go your forty five point um ship and replacing it with somebody else's and I caught somebody's Malarus with Fanatical and I was like, get rid of my best ship, have that <laughs> instead. <laughs> get myself a card. Thank you. <laughs> I don't have the heart to get rid of my 45 point because it's Sunfaku marksmanship. I just can't do it. Uh, I mean, yeah, you've got an I6, mate. That's a pretty good thing. <laughs> pretty yeah. good thing to have. I, I am bumping off my uh, Baron, though, and taking Arvel with Intimidation there, though. Because he's a bit super good. 
in this yes. world. It's ridiculous. Um, all right, cool. Um, Tim, have you any shout-outs you wanted to do, mate? Not really. I think I'll just echo that. You know, it's um, nice to play in a few different events. So we played in the team event, obviously run by Nobby, and obviously the Pokemon event. So uh, thanks to those TOs and you know, all the players in playing that. And yeah, look forward to playing some more online and in person, oh. obviously. Yeah, I was just remembering on the Pokemon thing, they they ran an online side event which you can put yourself in the pods and like win more um like tokens basically that you can spend to get things. But it was um, Super Guri versus the Ghosts. Um, so basically, you you get three thirty-five point ships that can't be higher than Initiative Five. Uh, sorry, can't be Initiative Five or Six. Um, and then you've got Advanced Sensors, um, Guri basically with um a bunch of other stuff and. Yeah, she um she tries to defeat the the three uh, Pokemon, and you've got three players playing the Pokemon. But if you die, you then come back as a um as an Alpha class Starwing with Ion missiles and um the right loadout and advanced slam. So Guri's job gets steadily harder the the longer she she's on the board for base. Uh, the, well, the, the more ships she kills, because eventually she just gets ionized by something um that can slam and. There's all sorts of other world, and it was a fantastic side event. It's actually something that was really good fun in person. And it was when I was playing it one night, I was playing with um, a guy from New Zealand, um, Germany, and Norway. So, and, and me, and it was the, the four of us, and it was properly hilarious because literally nobody cared what the outcome was. It was just great fun, like three people working separately but together trying to catch basically an uncatchable Star Viper. Um, it was great fun. Um, so yeah, again, props to those guys. Um, the only other shout out I want to do is to Tom Fields and who's been on who today, uh, on Monday has uh, just successfully actually delivered, um, his second child because the midwife didn't get to their home in time. So his wife jumped in the water bath that they had waiting, ready, ready for the birth. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he delivered a baby. And the midwife turned up in time to um, kind of go, well, you've done it. So here, give the baby a hug while I sort out all of the afters. <laughs> and off you go. So um, that's one for his bucket list, you know, actually delivered a baby. So well done to him. And congratulations uh, on the birth of, I'm going to go and find her name um, because it's a lovely name. And I'm going to remember it in a second. It's, it's Ray, isn't it? Uh, it's not. Sadly, it's not Ray. Very, very Is it Vengeance? <laughs> this isn't Kylo. Uh, is it called Grogu? No. Uh, so uh, baby is called Harry, Harriet Linnea Fieldsend. So well done to Tom. Uh, and for any women listening, I don't know how heavy it was. Why are you obsessed with that? It's a baby. It's about baby size. So. It is one sack of potatoes. <laughs> I bet you were a sack of potatoes when you were born. Cool. So um, I was just going to say thanks very much for continuing to listen to us. Um, we're still working through 2.5, as you all are. So um, we're going to continue to talk through um, our thoughts and thinkings about it. And um, yeah, um, we'll be interested to hear what you guys think as well. So feel free to contact us on the usual channels if you want to share um, any views or opinions. Um, it's always welcome to hear them. So we're going to say goodbye from Liam. Doodles. I mean, stop talking now. Uh, goodbye from Ben. Bye. Uh, goodbye from Tim. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye from me. Ta-da.
Oh, you've just ruined it for everybody, Liam. Just... <laughs> 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 oh, right. sorry, Tim. 